0: The wind whips its way through the mountains, howling like some ungodly beast. You watch the snow swirling madly about you, a blizzard. The storm is coming, and you need to get your papa's flock back home. You can barely make out the sheep against the snow, as if the creatures were made of it. You listen to their bleeding to one another. What would sheep have to say, you wonder? The moon is full, it casts its glow upon the mountain tops, making them shine like the tips of heaven. The beams fight their way through the clouds, their luster consuming everything they touch. Even the flock seem more like fairy things lit up against the field of ice. There's magic to the moon, you think to yourself, but not all magic is good in nature. Sometimes, It bites, like the chill of winter. The wind is wailing madly around you. You start to gather the flock for the journey home, but as you do, another sound rivals that of the storm. The howling of a wolf. You know the sound well, for you've been taught to fear it. It is still at a distance. There's still a chance of getting back home. You hurry to gather the flock, and together, you make your way through the snow. Away from the mountains. Away from the howling. You look to the moon once more as its light bites through the clouds. It looks less a wonder now. And more a warning. You are thankful for the flock's eagerness to get back to the farm. It wouldn't be too far now. Soon, you would be behind locked doors. And if there was any trouble, You knew where your papa kept his musket. The wind continues to rage, sending snowflakes dancing around you. Your face is numb from the cold, but you barely notice. Your eyes stay on the sheep, but your ears strain to hear over the wailing storm. Nothing. The howling has ceased. Your breathing slows and the racing of your heart falters as the sight of the farm begins to take shape. It was just some wolf, you think. The creature is far behind you now. You almost laugh at yourself when a shadow stirs behind you. You spin around. You are alone, but for the sheep. They begin to bleat louder as if something has startled them. You move faster. Again, the shadow crosses from behind, and again, you look around to find no one. You freeze. When it pounces, the creature doesn't make a sound. The force of its body pushes you deep into the snow. Your mouth fills with the taste of ice and blood. Its claws dig into the flesh of your back and you scream, the sound barely audible above the howling wind desperate you squirm and kick trying to rid yourself of the beast but it is stronger it snarls in your ear as you fight against it you want to give up it's pointless you think of your papa of how heartbroken he will be when he finds your body in the snow the thought kills you and that's when you remember the silver from selling sheep today at the village market is still in your pocket the slightest bit of hope returns to you when the beast turns you over to face it you freeze it glares at you with unnatural eyes set in a face even more so its features are the perfect marriage of man and wolf gray fur covers every inch of the werewolf coarse and unkempt its fangs drawn and ready it reels its head back releasing a howl that sends your heart falling into the pit of your stomach. But this is your one chance. You reach for your pocket, barely reaching inside. You grab the contents, and as the beast's face comes down to bite into yours, you press the silver against its temple. It screeches and stumbles backwards. Without a second thought, you clamber to your feet and run, ignoring the burning in your back you push forward. It is following, and it is faster than you. You will not make it to the farm. It's too risky to try, and your papa won't hear your cries over the blizzard. The flock has disbanded in fear. It is just you, the snow, and the beast now. The snowstorm is almost blinding, but you can still make out the trees at the edge of the forest. Higher ground. This is your best chance. You race to the closest tree, climbing its branches as high as they will let you. You are thankful for once at how small you are. The werewolf bounds up the tree towards you, but it is too heavy. The branches snap beneath its weight. It hits the ground hard, but is back to its feet in moments. On its hind legs, the beast makes another advance towards you. It makes it up the first two branches. Snap! It hurls to the ground once more. Your heart is still racing, but you feel safe in that moment. As safe as you can hope to be. All that's left to do is wait for the sun. For the first few hours, the werewolf encircles the tree on all fours, its eyes never leaving you. You've never seen such bloodlust. It does not attempt to scale the tree any longer. Instead, it waits. Beast it may be, but it is no fool. There is intelligence in those hungry eyes. After what feels like a lifetime, the werewolf gives you one last predatory look, then turns toward the forest letting the tree swallow it whole. There is a distant howl, and then silence. The blizzard covers any proof the beast was there. It is just you now, alone in the treetops. You want to run home, but you were unsure. Half frozen, you're not even positive you can make it down from the branches. But there is peace in the monster's disappearance. You wiggle your fingers and toes, stretch your arms and legs, waking up your extremities for the climb down. Everything is numb, beyond even cold itself. How long had you been up here? You're sure it's nearly morning by now. You scoot further up the branch. You want to be certain the beast is gone. Checking to ensure the coast is clear, you lean in for a better look. Your eyes squinting against the storm. Nothing. Not a living creature in sight. You lean just a little more. Crack! You overestimated the strength of the branch. Crack! Why didn't you just climb down? Crack! The branch snaps beneath you, and the sound rings in your ears. It is there, waiting beneath you. The werewolf was smart after all. All it had to do was wait. biding its time amongst the shadows of the forest. You know you'll be dead before you hit the ground. You close your eyes and think of home. So close now that it almost seems cruel. You think of your papa. I'm sorry. I tried. I was so close. The last sound you hear is not the wind, nor your own pulse pounding in your ears. It is the victorious snap of the beast's jaw. And then, nothing. Greetings from the shadow world, and welcome to Humble Hauntings, where ghost enthusiasts and lovers of the unknown can pull up a seat and make themselves at home. I am your host, MJ McAdams, part-time shadow person, full-time supernatural seeker, and today we are on the prowl for another creature of the witching hour. Last episode, we journeyed to the world of the vampire, a creature that is as loved as it is feared. Today's episode takes us on the path of another being of the night, and while this creature is not counted among the undead, it's equally as deadly as its vampiric brethren. Welcome to the realm of the werewolf. The werewolf, lycanthrope, lu Garou, part man, part beast. It is a creature that, like its vampiric cousin, has been ingrained into pop culture in modern day fantasy. Much like the vampire, werewolves have been romanticized, painted in a new and endearing light. But the stories of today aren't far from the truth, because unlike the vampire, the question of a werewolf's morality has differed from tale to tale. For every few legends of a bloodthirsty beast in wolf form, there have been another few that painted werewolves to be guardians and protectors of the weak. So is this creature of the night a threat to humanity or a benevolent beast? Or, like humans, are no two werewolves alike and the choice of good and evil falls to the mercy of their character? That, my humble listener, I will leave you to decide. Aegis is a wizard who elects to turn into an animal. A werewolf has no choice. With each full moon, he no longer remembers who he is. He'd kill his best friend if he crossed his path. Furthermore, the werewolf only responds to the call of its own kind. This quote from the film Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban rings true to the common perception of werewolves. By definition, a werewolf is an individual with the ability to change into the form of a wolf for a period of time, typically during a full moon. During this time, it is believed he or she loses all sense of self, their mind taking on a more animalistic viewpoint. They no longer recognize those they knew in human form, relying solely on instinct to roam the night and kill whoever and whatever crosses their path. Werewolves in form are described as hairy beasts, wolf-like in appearance, and sporting long fangs and claws. Despite their wolfish physique, these creatures tend to walk upright and it can still be recognized as a humanoid being. How someone truly becomes a werewolf is up for debate, but all tales are broken up into voluntary and involuntary methods. The classic and most widely known method of transformation comes from being bitten or scratched by a werewolf, after which the infected person is doomed to turn into the fabled man-wolf with each full moon. In this legend, the werewolf cannot change at will and can only take on his wolf form according to the lunar cycle. Another involuntary method involved being born on Christmas Eve. To be born on such a sacred night was to take attention away from Jesus Christ himself and was considered a blasphemous act. By entering the world on this day, you condemned yourself to the curse of the werewolf. The only way to reverse such a curse was to prove yourself pious in every aspect of your life. Otherwise... The curse remained, and would be with you until the day you died. But other beliefs sang a different tune. In many cultures, it was believed that men or women could willingly turn into werewolves if skilled enough in magic and the arts of the unknown. The ancient Greeks, for example, believed that any skilled magician could take on the wolf's form if they so desired. A magic girdle or belt could be placed around the waist to transform. Others claimed a magic salve, created from a special set of herbs, could be rubbed all over the naked body of an individual in order to turn into a werewolf. Many self-proclaimed werewolves of the past claimed it was a mixture of both. Disrobing, they would rub the magic ointment all over their bodies. After, they would tie a belt about their waist, made from either wolf or human skin. Finally they would drape the pelt of a wolf over their entire body. Sometimes to speed up the transformation, the individual would mix fresh blood with beer and drink the entire contents. Others claim that to become a werewolf, one must drink water from a wolf's paw print, then eat the brain of said animal and sleep in its lair. But whether voluntary or involuntary, the question of a werewolf's morality differed from place to place. In Germany, for example, werewolves were known as boxen wolves and were given their powers of transformation by Satan himself. Boxen wolves were known for their violence and their love of torturing their victims. They were evil in every sense of the word and heartless to any living being that crossed their path. Irish werewolves, on the other hand, were seen as guardians and protectors. They weren't seen as monsters at all, and they watched over children and wounded or lost folk. Legend says they were even recruited by kings in times of war for their strength and cunning. One popular Irish tale is the legend of the werewolves of Ossory. It was believed that a prince named Balagane brother to the first king of Osuri, possessed the ability to become a werewolf. He, his children, and all who resided in their tribe could take on the form of a wolf. They used this power to raid enemy homes and their herds of livestock. When they went a wolfing, as it was called, There were specific instructions given to not disturb their bodies. For you see, when the Osori tribe took on the guise of a wolf, they had to leave their human body behind. It would lay where they had transformed, cold and still, as if a corpse. If the body was moved from where a person had changed, their spirit wouldn't be able to find their way back to their human vessel. They would be doomed. To wander the earth as a wolf forever. In 1182, a priest by the name of Geraldus was traveling from the north in Ulster down into Meath. He stopped for the night to make camp, and after hours had passed and the campfire he had built was all but glowing embers, a voice low and rumbling, beckoned him from the shadows. The voice besieged him to walk into the forest. The priest stood frozen, refusing the request out of sheer fright. After he gathered his senses, he demanded the owner of the dark voice step into the light. With some reluctance, they did. But what emerged was not a man, but a great and powerful wolf, with graying fur and yellow fangs. The wolf sat and spoke with the priest, telling him he was of the accursed sons of the Asuri tribe. His people were damned, cursed to send out two of their people to take on the form of a wolf for seven years. After the seven years were up, they would return to their tribe, and another couple would take their place. The curse was put on them by St. Natalus of Kilkenny, almost 600 years past. The priest was troubled by this news, for if the giver of a curse was deceased, it was a curse that could not be lifted. The wolf further explained that he had sought out the priest because his wife, also in wolf form, had been mortally wounded by a hunter. She would not live to see the morning. They were both Catholic, the wolf explained, and he asked the priest to come hear her last confession so that she may rest in peace. And so he did. Together, they traveled to a nearby cave where the she-wolf lay dying. She spoke and thanked him. Finally, she gave her confession and received her last rites. Then, with the priest and her husband beside her, the she-wolf passed on. Her lifeless body freed to its true form. That of an old woman, the flush of life fading from her cheeks. Tales like this paint the werewolf in a different light. They sing of a creature that is not only fearsome and cunning, but benevolent. And wise, our protectors watching over us from the shadows. But again, a coin has two sides, and the nightmarish fables of these were beasts prospered as much as, or even more so, than the stories of the guardian wolf. So many of these stories have filled us with terror throughout history, and no one has been more familiar with this fear than France. <music> Who or what was the legendary werewolf of Le Chevondon has been a question pondered over the last few centuries. Lou Gerou. Werewolf, a common cry that had sent the citizens of Les Chevendons into a terrified frenzy. The creature in question was described as a hairy beast that was able to walk upright on two legs. Witnesses say that they swore it had the face of Satan and its entire body was covered in bristly, dark hair. The deep marks left on the bodies of its victims Made it clear that the monster sucked blood from corpses. On the night of January 15, 1765, a farmer waited for his son to come home when a raging blizzard took hold of the mountains. His 15 year old son had spent the evening tending to their family's sheep, and when he did not return, the father became severely concerned. Despite the danger, The farmer ventured out into the blizzard and was horrified when he discovered the mutilated body of his young son near the flock. Heartbroken and grieving, the farmer carried his son's body down the slopes and all the way to their farm home in the valley. He laid his body by the fire of their humble home. Sitting in his chair, all he could do was mourn his son's death his eyes never leaving the body of his dearly departed son. We could only imagine how his father must have been grieving for his dear child, but we are all familiar with the sense of someone watching you, and this was exactly what the farmer felt as he sat beside his deceased son. The beast in question was staring at him through the window of his home. He later told authorities that the wolf's eyes were like glass, similar to those of a wild animal, and his face was covered with dark and bristly fur. Anger and vengeance took a hold of the farmer, and he dashed to the wall to pull down his musket, firing point-blank at the creature. The werewolf, had apparently anticipated this man's attack, for it dropped down before the weapon was discharged. Not able to think clearly through his grief, the farmer reloaded his musket and followed the beast outside into the cold. As he watched the wolf leave his property, the farmer couldn't help but think that the beast looked like a humanoid creature, running in wolf skin. He heard its howl, and saw the giant footprint slowly being erased in the oncoming snow of the blizzard. And almost forcing himself, the farmer returned home. Despite his anger, his grief, and hurt, he knew he had no chance against such a monster. Some things are more powerful than love, more vital than vengeance more vital than what we feel we need to seek. In 1899, deep in the heart of Northumberland County, Pennsylvania, rural residents started to feel uneasy, suspicious even. The reason for their unease might come to be a surprise, for you see, they were convinced that a quiet and reclusive old man in their community was a werewolf. Now this wasn't just because of his hermit-like nature, for of course anyone who doesn't fit the social norm was often deemed a witch or some creature who had made a pact with Satan himself. People after all, have a history of fearing what they don't understand. No. The reason for these accusations of lycanthropy all began with a young girl named May Paul. May Paul was a lovely and charming 12-year-old girl, the daughter of a local farmer, and she was adored not only by her family, but by the community as well. She had always been a happy child, darling and delightful. She was known to lift the spirits of anyone who encountered her. And the local hermit in question was no exception. Though he did not make an effort to socialize with his neighbors, he did enjoy watching over little May Paul as she tended to her family's flock of sheep. He would watch from afar, but it seemed to brighten his day when he saw May go about daily tasks on the farm and take care of the flock. While this made her parents uncomfortable, to say the least, the older gentleman never bothered Miss May. He always stayed at a distance, and was never inappropriate or improper in any way. He simply watched over her as she worked, as if he were guarding her. To her family's knowledge, the hermit had never even spoke to May or disturbed her daily routine. But local shepherds and neighboring farms quickly became suspicious of the old man. You see, an important thing to note about Northumberland County was they had a major wolf problem. your ordinary wolves either. They were bold. So much so, in fact, that they were known to attack flocks in broad daylight. No one was immune to the terror the wolf packs brought upon their livestock. No one but May Paul. The locals became increasingly suspicious, for not one single attack plagued the Paul family. On occasion, witnesses saw the wolves attempt to approach May and her sheep. But as soon as they arrived on the property, they would turn tail and run back to the forest. Even so, no advance was made against the old gent. The people of Northumberland had no concrete proof, only rumors and speculation. And after all, no one had come to any harm. There were no mysterious or deadly attacks from some unknown beast. In all regards, the old man seemed harmless. So they left him undisturbed, and every day he watched over May Paul, and every day she and her flock stayed safe from any wolf's harm. One night, under the light of a full moon, a local hunter was treading through the underbrush when he came upon something unusual. An abnormally large wolf was roaming about. Gaunt and gray, the wolf did not look like a threat, but there was something almost human about it, a sort of intelligence in its eyes. The hunter stayed at a distance, but despite his amazement of the creature, The $25 bounty for wolves weighed on his mind more. So he aimed his gun and fired. There was a painful yelp that split the night air. The beast had been hit. But before the hunter could claim his prize, the wolf stumbled into a nearby thicket and vanished. The hunter decided it was too risky to follow his bounty by night. A wounded animal waiting for him in the twisted overgrowth did not sound like a reasonable situation. Instead, he would collect the body first thing come morning. But when he followed the trail of blood left by the wolf that following day, it did not lead him to a wolf at all. Instead, he found the body of May Paul's silent guardian. The old man's corpse lay rigid and cold beneath the morning sun. It was then that the rumors were confirmed. The hermit of Northumberland County was indeed a werewolf. His body was buried beneath the very spot he had perished, and it was forever known as The Wolfman's Group, or The Wolfman's Grave. For the next 25 years, May Paul's life was much the same. Each day she tended to her sheep, and each day she was undisturbed by the local wolves, even as they continued to harass neighboring farms. When asked about her luck, she would respond, It's no luck. It's my guardian angel, my wolf protector, watching over me. He always has, and I believe he always will. What is a monster? On this show, we often speak of the unnatural, the things that go bump in the night. But what is more dangerous? Those who we don't understand? Or the prejudice and violence we bring forth from our fear of the unfamiliar? The world is filled with the unknown. That's part of the beauty of it. And what truly makes us human or beast may surprise you. To some, a werewolf will always be counted among the deadly monsters of the witching hour. They are wrapped up with vampires, ghosts, and ghouls. The creatures from our nightmares and cautionary tales. But can they all really be bad? Or like the rest of us, do each have the possibility of good or evil? Today we saw both sides of the lycanthrope. The beast of legend and the benevolent protector. As we journey further into the unexplainable, we must keep our minds and our hearts open to all possibilities. As you journey with me to my favorite haunts and meet a plethora of mythical creatures, remember to be ready for anything because in this universe, not everything is black and white. You might find that even a werewolf can surprise you And of course, as always, let's keep things humble, friends. Thank you for joining me today at Humble Hauntings, a place that paranormal enthusiasts can always call home. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and share with your friends. When it comes to ghostly ventures, the more the merrier. But until next time, my spookables, remember, home is where the haunt is.